0: Preface of the Golden Treasury of the Best Songs and Lyrical Pieces in the English Language. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Brenneman. The Golden Treasury, selected by Francis T. Palgrave. Preface. This little collection differs, it is believed, from others in the attempt made to include in it all the best original lyrical pieces and songs in our language, by writers not living, and none beside the best. Many familiar verses will hence be met with, many also which should be familiar. The editor will regard as his fittest readers those who love poetry so well, that he can offer them nothing not already known and valued. For those who take up the book in a serious and scholarly spirit, the following remarks on the plan and the execution are added. The editor is acquainted with no strict and exhaustive definition of lyrical poetry, but he has found the task of practical decision increase in clearness and in facility as he advanced with the work, whilst keeping in view a few simple principles. Lyrical has been here held essentially to imply that each poem shall turn on some single thought feeling or situation in accordance with this narrative descriptive and didactic poems unless accompanied by rapidity of movement brevity and the coloring of human passion have been excluded Humorous poetry, except in the very unfrequent instances where a truly poetical tone pervades the whole, with what is strictly personal, occasional, and religious, has been considered foreign to the idea of the book. Blank verse and the ten-syllable couplet, with all pieces markedly dramatic, have been rejected as alien from what is commonly understood by song, and rarely conforming to lyrical conditions and treatment but it is not anticipated, nor is it possible, that all readers shall think the line accurately drawn. Some poems, as Gray's Elegy, The Allegro, and Penseroso, Wordsworth's Ruth, or Campbell's Lord Ulan, might be claimed with perhaps equal justice for a narrative or descriptive selection whilst with reference especially to ballads and sonnets the editor can only state that he has taken his utmost pains to decide without caprice or partiality this also is all he can plead in regard to a point even more liable to question what degree of merit should give rank among the best that a poem shall be worthy of the writer's genius that it shall reach a perfection commensurate with its aim that we should require finish in proportion to brevity that passion color and originality cannot atone for serious imperfections in clearness unity or truth that a few good lines do not make a good poem that popular estimate is serviceable as a guide-post more than as a compass above all that excellence should be looked for rather in the whole than in the parts such and other such canons have been always steadily regarded he may however add that the pieces chosen and a far larger number rejected have been carefully and repeatedly considered and that he has been aided throughout by two friends of independent and exercised judgment beside the distinguished person addressed in the dedication it is hoped that by this procedure the volume has been freed from that one-sidedness, which must be set individual decisions, but for the final choice the editor is alone responsible. Chalmers' vast collection, with the whole works of all accessible poets not contained in it, and the best anthologies of different periods, have been twice systematically read through and it is hence improbable that any omissions which may be regretted are due to oversight. The poems are printed entire, except in a very few instances specified in the notes, where a stanza has been omitted. The omissions have been risked only when the piece could be thus brought to a closer lyrical unity, and, as essentially opposed to this unity, extracts, obviously such, are excluded. In regard to the text, the purpose of the book has appeared to justify the choice of the most poetical version wherever more than one exists, and much labor has been given to present each poem in disposition, spelling, and punctuation to the greatest advantage. In the arrangement, the most poetically effective order has been attempted the english mind has passed through phases of thought and cultivation so various and so opposed during these three centuries of poetry that a rapid passage between old and new like rapid alliteration of the eye's focus in looking at the landscape will always be wearisome and hurtful to the sense of beauty the poems have been therefore distributed into books corresponding one to the ninety years closing about sixteen sixteen two thence to seventeen hundred three to eighteen hundred four to the half century just ended or looking at the poets who more or less give each portion its distinctive character they might be called the books of shakespeare milton gray and wordsworth the volume in this respect so far as the limitations of its range allow accurately reflects the natural growth and evolution of our poetry. A rigidly chronological sequence, however, rather fits a collection aiming at instruction than at pleasure, and the wisdom which comes through pleasure, within each book the pieces have therefore been arranged, and gradations of feeling or subject. The development of the symphonies of Mozart and Beethoven has been here thought of as a model, and nothing placed without careful consideration, and it is hoped that the contents of this anthology will thus be found to present a certain unity as episodes, in the noble language of Shelley, to that great poem which all poets, like the cooperating thoughts of one great mind, have built up since the beginning of the world. As he closes his long survey, the editor trusts he may add without egotism that he has found the vague general verdict of popular fame more just than those have thought, who, with too severe a criticism, would confine judgments on poetry to the selected few of many generations. Not many appear to have gained reputation without some gift or performance that, in due degree, deserved it and if no verses by certain writers who show less strength than sweetness or more thought than mastery in expression are printed in this volume it should not be imagined that they have been excluded without much hesitation and regret far less that they have been slighted throughout this vast and pathetic array of singers now silent few have been honored with the name poet and have not possessed a skill in words, a sympathy with beauty, a tenderness of feeling, or seriousness in reflection, which render their works, although never perhaps attaining that loftier and finer excellence here required, better worth reading than much of what fills the scanty hours that most men spare for self-improvement, or for pleasure in any of its more elevated and permanent forms and if this be true of even mediocre poetry for how much more are we indebted to the best like the fabled fountain of the azores but with a more various power the magic of this art can confer on each period of life its appropriate blessing on early years experience on maturity calm on age youthfulness poetry gives treasures more golden than gold leading us in higher and healthier ways than those of the world and interpreting to us the lessons of nature but she speaks best for herself her true accents if the plan has been executed with success may be heard throughout the following pages wherever the poets of england are honored wherever the dominant language of the world is spoken it is hoped they will find fit audience F. T. Palgrave End of preface